John chapter 1. <clears throat> John chapter 1. It'd do a lot of us a lot of good to just clear off a spot and throw off a, throw off, throw a fit every once in a while. As long as you're speaking in a language that we can understand. So, but I don't think we have to worry about that in here too much. But boy, I, I tell you, man, I'd be lively every once in a while. Amen. Amen. So Brother Nathan, we're all tired. I don't know about that. I, I don't know about all that. But it's all right. Let's look here in John chapter 1 this morning. It sure is good to be saved this morning. I'm glad I'm on my way to heaven. And I don't want to go back. I, I don't want to go back. There's... Uh, boy, I could quote the song, I guess, but there, there ain't nothing back in the world for me. There, I don't have any friends. All my friends is right in here. All my friends is in church this morning. Uh, boy, I'm in trouble if I get in a mess and I need some friends to come bail me out because they all busy. 1130, they all busy right now. So, you know, if I was out of church and got backslid and then went to jail, I'd have to sit in jail until about one o'clock. So, you know, I might as well just stay in church even if I was backslid. But I'm not backslid. I, I enjoy it. At least I don't think I'm backslid. I enjoy being in church. I, I like it. I, I really like it. I prayed about having a two-week meeting uh, just because I like church that much. I, I really do. Uh, but anyways, I probably killed the spirit there. But you'll be all right. Let's look in John 1 this morning. I want to preach to you this morning about what salvation is all about, what salvation is all about. And uh, I'm going to read from John chapter 1, probably down to about verse 14, but I, I want to preach to you this morning out of verse 12. So let's read a little bit this morning. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was, was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Boy, that'll preach. That, that'll preach. Those two verses right there, that'll preach. He says the same came for a witness. You know who John was? He was just a witness. That's all he was. And boy, it'd do us a lot of good to start looking at ourselves that way. You ever ask somebody, hey, who are you? You know, what do you do for a living? All that kind of stuff. But really, if you ask somebody, a Christian, hey, who are you? The right response is, I'm a witness. I'm just a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Verse 8, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, Lord, thank you, Lord, this morning, God, for letting us be here today. God, thank you, Lord, for church one more time. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, most of all, thank you, God, for your son coming and bleeding and dying for sorry rascals like we are. God, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Lord, that's been sung about this morning, God, and we have the Bible to tell us about 
And God, we pray this morning, I pray you'd help me, Lord, as I try to preach a little bit this morning, pray that you'd lead me and help me to say the things that are right and true, and God, also the things that are timely, Lord, I pray that you'd deal with hearts in here, God. I don't know that anybody in here is lost this morning, but it may be, it may be that somebody in here is lost, and without God and undone, Lord, I pray you'd deal with their hearts, and Lord, if, if nobody in here is, uh, Lord, lost, I pray that, Lord, you'd exhort us this morning and encourage us, God, and help us to see, Lord, what, what the gospel, what salvation really is all about, God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us with these things, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if I was forced to give you a passage this morning, if I was forced to give you one verse that told you what salvation was all about, I think I'd have to give you John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, there's a, there's a lot of passages in the Bible that will tell you in greater detail about what salvation is, what's involved in the salvation process or how to be saved. You could go to Romans chapter 3. Well, really, the whole book of Romans is a great, it's a great book. It is the book. It, it is the treatise on New Testament salvation. Uh, you could go to Romans chapter 10. There's a lot of things in there. Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 5. A lot of things in there about salvation and all of its details. You could go to John chapter 3, which is not far from where we are, and you could see how the Lord deals with a very religious man. And listen, let me just tell you this morning, if you're religious in here, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're saved. Uh, religion and salvation are not necessarily the same thing. Now, I'm not anti-religion. I am not anti-religion. I've heard guys, and, and I don't, I understand where they're coming from, so I'm not going to uh, get really all uptight and all upset about things. I, uh, but I hear guys talk about, you know, I don't have religion, I have a relationship, which is true. I understand exactly what they're saying. But I, at the same time, am not against religion. But I will say that I am against religion without a relationship. Religion does not get anybody to heaven. It doesn't get anybody to heaven. I think one of the surest proofs of that is to see in the Old Testament that religion in the Old Testament did not keep Israel out of captivity to Babylon. They had a religion, but you know what they did not have? They didn't have a relationship with God the Father. They were called his sons, which is a relationship, but they didn't have no fellowship. And things got to be real. They've got to be real between you and your God. They really have to be real between you and your maker. They, they really do. So all I'm saying is that I'm not anti-religion, but I will say that religion has never got anybody to heaven. Listen, if you're in here this morning and you're going to heaven, I think you can say amen to this. If you can't say amen to nothing else, you're not going to heaven because you're a religious person. Boy, you ought, to shout, you ought to shout about that. You ought to thank God about that. Uh, boy, when you really consider things and you really consider who you are, we are some of the most irreligious people that there are. I know Catholics that are more dedicated to Catholicism than some Baptists are to being Baptists. <laughs> uh, that's funny to me because all it is is a testament to the fact that I'm saved by grace. Some of y'all, I guess, is under conviction. That's why you got quiet. I don't know. But hey, that's something to be happy about. Thank God I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist. Thank God I'm not going to heaven because I've read my Bible every day this week. Or, you know, I'm not going to heaven because I've prayed every day this week. And I've spent three hours in prayer every day. And I've passed out 50 gospel tracts. All that stuff is good. But that's not why I'm going to heaven. 
And so if I was going to give you one verse that really narrowed, narrowed the scope of salvation down to a very centralized, concentric idea, I would say John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Yes, sir. That's, you know what salvation's about this morning? It's about power. Every single one of you fellows should say, amen. Yeah, because fellas like power. I think ladies even like power. I think we got some ladies. I'm, you know, when I say power, one of the first things that comes to my mind is horsepower. Yeah, I, I was going to say fellas, but I think there's some ladies in here that would put some big pipes on their vehicles. Uh, not, not pointing anybody out, but, uh, yes, sir. Put, put the pedal to the, uh, put the pedal to the metal and just, just grind that engine boy and just let it roar, man. Man, y'all backslid. Y'all ain't Baptist. Get out of here. Bunch of Methodists this morning is all y'all. You could have said amen about that if you can't shout about going to heaven. I mean, if you, I, if you're carnal, I find something you can shout about, <laughs> but y'all missed the opportunity. It's power. It's power. It's power. I was telling my kids the other day, talking about this thing of horsepower. This is not very spiritual, but I was telling my kids the other day, I think they got one of these tractor pulls getting ready to come somewhere up in Baxley or Jessup somewhere. And I'm, if I can find me some earmuffs, I'm going to go. First time I ever went to, the, to a tractor pull. I didn't take any kind of ear protection because I didn't know what it was. Biggest mistake of my life. Now, now I'm 35 years old, and I, every time my kids say something, I say, What? Come here, I can't hear you. And I think that might be because they mumble. They probably got that from me, but it might be because of that one tractor pull I've been in my life. I, I don't know what that is. But you know what, that, what was astounding about that thing? It's power. Yeah. It's power, man. To see these big tractors that they decked out with these big tires and put these big exhaust pipes on them that spit out fire. Yeah. Where are you kids at, man? I must be the world's worst preacher. I ain't talking nobody's language this morning. Uh, but it's true, man. Hey, if you ain't going to enjoy it, I'll just enjoy my own preaching. How's that? I like that kind of stuff. I really like. I like things with a lot of power. Uh, my dad, years ago, he got him a, a, one of those, uh, boy, what is it? A, a Chevy Duramax, those 6.6 .6 Duramaxes. And uh, before that, we was hauling uh, a 25-foot uh, travel trailer, a Holiday Rambler. We was hauling it with a 2,500 Dodge van, one of those big conversion vans. And we went out, uh, we went up into West Virginia, pulling a, that travel trailer in West Virginia. And he had that thing set up. But boy, you got to watch your transmission when you're going up in there. Because that thing, it'll burn, uh, pulling a travel trailer, it'll burn your transmission up in a hurry. And so, we, boy, we'd get up there in them mountains. And I remember when we first got that, that truck, boy, uh, set it on cruise control and just cruise through those West Virginia mountains. Man, no problems. And watch that temperature gauge. You know, on, the, on, the, on that van, that temperature gauge would go like this. It'd get about halfway, and every once in a while, it'd go three-quarters of the way and sit there and bite your finger. And say, oh, what's, what's going to happen here? You get in that GMC or that, that Chevy Silverado, that 3500 with that 6.6 .6 Duramax, and just put it on cruise and just ride. That thing stay as cool as a cucumber. Oh, it's so wonderful. You say, what is that? That's power. That's power. It's almost like that truck didn't even know that that travel trailer was behind us. Look back there. Oh, I forgot that thing was even there. 
My dad was so gracious as to even let me drive it every once in a while. But you know, when you're talking about salvation, you're not talking about necessarily carrying a travel trailer up a steep mountain. You're not talking about getting in a mud puddle and putting it on four-wheel drive and getting out of a mess. Now, you are in a mess. And when we're talking about salvation, we are talking about something that has power enough to get you out of the mess that you're in. But it's not a mud puddle. If you want to call it the mud puddle of sin, absolutely, 100%. But what we're talking about this morning is real, raw, unmitigated power. You know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says in the book of Psalm? I believe it's chapter 19. He said the Lord slung out the stars from his fingertips. He said the Lord, all of this stuff that you see in the universe, it's called his handiwork. That's stuff, that's light work. That's stuff that you can do with your hands. You know, your daddy ever come by or maybe your mama come by and went, bam, on the top of your head. What I heard. But that's light work. Uh, but boy, the strength is when the arm gets involved. Ain't that right? Ain't that right? I'm bringing back flashbacks for some of you. Uh, strength is when the arm gets involved. But you know what the Bible says, Isaiah 53, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And you know what he goes on to describe in Isaiah 53? It's the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ for my sin and your sins. You say, what is that? That's power. That's power. That's, that's real, raw, unmitigated power. Look in Romans chapter 1 this morning. Romans chapter 1. I could probably quote this for you. You could probably quote it to me, but we might as well look at it since we got Bibles. Isn't it wonderful to have a Bible sitting in your lap this morning? Man, I love it. I, I, love, I love my Bible. Thank God for my Bible. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. He says, well, look at verse 15. He says, so, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Why is he ready? Why be ready to preach the gospel? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now that word ashamed, that's not necessarily talking about, you know, people talk about, you know, if you trust the Lord, you're never going to be ashamed. And what they're really talking about is you're never going to be afraid to witness, which is not true. You trust the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be some times where you're going to be afraid to witness. That's just, that's human nature. But when he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, he said, for whosoever calls on him shall not be ashamed. Paul says here, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What he's talking about is the idea that every time somebody's ever called on the Lord, it's always worked. Do you, listen, would you stop and think for just a second this morning? Think about how many people have bowed the knee and called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. Think about that for a second. That's a lot of people. That, uh, if I stopped and paused here this morning and counted every head that was in here, and if I took it for granted that everybody in here was saved, which I think most of us are, you've trusted Christ as your Savior. It's not church membership or tithing or anything like that. It's trusting the Lord as your Savior. But if we went through here and counted, I'd say that there's something like, I don't know, 50, maybe maybe 50, maybe 60 people in here. That's a lot of people in and of itself. I mean, if a lifeguard was out on the beach with all the Baptists. Uh, anyways, it's not a sermon intended to invoke conviction, but if he was out on the beach with, and, and here's a lifeguard, I think after about the second person a lifeguard saved, he'd be war slap out. Don't you reckon? 
But how many people have called on the Lord time and time and time again, and he's never gotten worn out with saving sinners? Listen, God never gets exhausted. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, he says the, the high and lofty one of Israel, he's not going to sleep. He's not going to slumber. Listen, some of you are war slap out from this revival. And the Lord is sitting on his throne this morning wide awake. Yes, sir. You sit right here in church and just take you a little nap and the Lord's going to be awake, ain't he? Huh? And when the invitation comes, you wake right up and start praying and God's going to be listening to you just like nothing ever happened. You say, why? Lord never get wore out. The, listen, one of the things I think, I know, I don't think, I know one of the things that bothers Christians, and it should to a degree, but one of the things that bothers Christians is the fact that, man, I've I got this sin that I'm battling with. I got this thing that I'm dealing with. And boy, I've had to confess it over and over. And I have to come back to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. I did this again. But do you realize the Lord never gets worn out with forgiven sins? Listen, you don't, there's no exhaustion to the power of God to wash sins away. There's no exhaustion. Listen, if you could back up a dump, dump truck load of sin and pour it all in the blood of Jesus Christ, it'll wash it away just like that, just as good as if you pulled them out one by one. Put them in there. You put that thing in there, you know, you've seen those little cartoons of fella pull something out and put it in some, some of that acid or what. You know, I'm talking like Bugs Bunny, and he put it in there and pulled it out, and there's nothing there. That's what the Lord does with your sin in the blood of Jesus Christ. Pick up that sin off of you and put it in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all gone. How about that? Sure, sure. And listen, just as soon as you just take one sin and put it in there, it's gone. Just as soon as you take 1,500 and put it in there, it's gone. Just as soon as you get out on your knees and say, Lord, I'm an unworthy sinner. Would you save my soul? It's gone. It's gone. You say, what's you talking about? Power. You say, oh, that, that's not a really a big deal. Let me ask you something. How much power you got to forgive people? Huh? Boy, I bet you there might be some folks in here this morning holding grudges from 30 years ago. You know what that tells me? The Lord's got a lot more power than you do. Boy, that's something to be happy about. Of course, if you're holding a grudge, it's going to be hard to be happy about anything. I recommend getting that put in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's real power. It's real power. It's real power. It's real power. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It has power to put things back together. I know that. But he says, Paul says right here in Romans 1, uh, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You can keep calling on the Lord. Listen, sinners call on the Lord year after year, uh, decade after decade, millennia after millennia, and the Lord will save their soul just the same. That's real power. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone to be that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, that's Jew and Gentile. Them Greeks, that's Gentiles. That's Gentiles. Did you know that you don't have to be super religious in order to be saved? Man, I, I can't tell you how many folks I have knocked on their door and said, Hey, would you come down to church with us? Or, hey, have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? And the response comes back, I'm not, I'm not really religious. Well, the Lord can save you too. Listen, just because, listen, just because somebody has a background in religious things, that doesn't mean that they're a better candidate for salvation. Hey, it may be, it may be that they're farther along in their understanding. I mean, you got to at least know who Jesus is in order to be saved. 
Kind of hard to be saved without knowing who Jesus is. So you've got to understand some simple things like that. And it may be that they understand those things, whereas we'll have to teach you. But I tell you, you don't have to be super religious in order to be saved because it's not your religion that saves you. It's a savior. It's a savior. It's a person. Why? You're dealing with power. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And look in verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5. What salvation is all about? It's about power. It's about power. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. Now listen, when we talk about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we talk about salvation, it does come in words, doesn't it? But it don't just come in word only. It comes with power. It comes with power. It comes, uh, listen, salvation is not a hex. It's not a hex. It's not a magical formula. I'm not going to go down to the witch doctor and, and get them to pronounce some kind of magic thing over you and automatically you're going to become a son of God. No, sir, that's, that, it's not in word only. You know, we're going to cast some spell and make this individual fall in love with you. Or, you know, cast some spell and you're going to get a promotion down it. No, 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 no. That's not what salvation is all about. That's not what, because it's not in word only, it comes with power. There's something attached to those words. Listen, there's something attached to the words that's in that book. You say, what is it? It's the Spirit of God. It's the power of God. Uh, listen, I, let, let me give you this illustration. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. The Bible said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, how did he create it? The Bible says that God stepped out on nothing and he said, let there be light. You know what that is? That's word. That's word. But there's also something that comes with that. Power. You say, where's the evidence of that? And there was light. Sure, let there be light, and there was light. That's word, and there's evidence of power. You know, I could step out. <clears throat> I can't really step out on nothing because nothing won't tend to hold me up. But I could step out somewhere and say, let there be light. The lights are already on. I Turn all the lights off, put tin foil. I almost said a tin roof. Put tin foil on these windows. We sit in here in dark, which would be really weird. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. I like the lights on. I'm going to sleep better with the lights on unless my kids are making noise. But anyways, you get somewhere and uh, board up these windows and get in a completely dark room and say, let there be light. And you know what's going to happen? Nothing. You know why? Because you got words, but you ain't got the power. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. You know, a lot of people, when you talk about salvation, it, I think it's salvation in word only. It really taught, they, they're willing to talk about salvation. They're willing to talk about religious things. But hey, what about the power? What about the power? And you're not going to run into the power until you run into the God of all power. That's right. That's right. That's true. That's true. Uh, he says right here, he says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. And in the Holy Ghost, I ran into a fellow one time right over here in Camp Pickney. I was on door-to-door -door visitation a couple of years ago. And I said, uh, I said, you ever been saved? He said, I've been. He crossed his arms. He was mad because I blocked him in when I came to witness. He was getting ready to leave. He saw a fellow in a tie and he didn't want to talk to him. He probably thought I was a Jehovah's Witnesses. 
Oh, we got JWs in here? My bad. <laughs> Anyways, he crossed. He was sitting in his truck, and he's getting ready to back out. And I said, hey, man. I said, I'm out on door-to-door visitation. Just want to come by and uh, invite you to church and tell you about the Lord. I said, you ever been saved? He crossed his arms and got a scowl on his face. I recommend if you get ready to tell somebody you're saved, you smile. And that might make it a little more convincing. I'm saved. Uh, that's not too convincing. This fellow crossed his arm and he said, I've been saved, sealed, and sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I said, oh. I said, okay. But you know what? I don't know whether that fellow was or not. If he was, uh, boy, his face was misinformed is all I can say. Uh, but anyways, I can tell you this. He wasn't saved, sealed, and sanctified by the Holy Ghost if he didn't come in touch with the gospel. No, sir. Uh, listen, what a lot of folks is counting on is some quote-unquote religious experience that they had. And when I say religious experience, <clears throat> I think a lot of people count on the fact that they went down to an altar and had some emotional experience. And listen, salvation is often not without an emotional experience. You are an emotional being. Is that understood? You smash your finger, you're probably going to say something not so nice. I mean, unless you're super spiritual, which I hope you are, really. I mean that. I hope you are. I'm not justifying you saying something ugly. Uh, but at the same time, you're an emotional being. Those emotions is attached to the nerves in your thumb. <laughs> uh, me and Brother Curtis know what we're talking about. Uh, your emotions is attached to those nerves in your thumb. I mean, if the rest of you just, I mean, y'all sitting there looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I go preach to Brother Curtis. Me and him, I have a good time this morning. But ain't that true? You're an emotional being. But listen, going down to an altar and having just some emotional experience, that is not necessarily salvation. Yes, sir, salvation lies in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what else he says. He says it came not only, he said it came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. There's assurance that comes with salvation. You know, somebody that's never been saved, listen, somebody that's never been saved but been trying to work their way to heaven, you go and ask them, hey, have you ever trusted Christ as, as your Savior? One of the things that they'll say is, I hope so. Well, I'm working on it. Well, I think I'm going to heaven. No, no, listen, listen, listen. Real salvation is not that way. These things have I spoken unto you that you may know. That you may know. That you may know that you have eternal life. Soul salvation. God's salvation. Listen, God's salvation is a no-so salvation. I'd knocking on a door one time and, and an older gentleman, and boy, this, this flabbergasted me, brother. It, it, it really shocked me. I knocked on a door and an old man came to the door. And I don't say that disrespectfully. A fellow probably in his 70s, maybe even his 80s. And I, I, said, I said, sir, we're out on visitation. I just wanted to try and come talk to you about the Lord and uh, see if you know that your sins have been forgiven, if you washed in the blood, if you know you're on your way to heaven. And he said, well, he said, I, I hope I'm on my way to heaven. I said, well, sir, I said, you don't have to hope so. I said, you can know that you're on your way to heaven. He said, well, you don't have to be a jerk about it. Slam the door in my face. <laughs> you don't know, but I'm trying to tell you how you can know that your sins are washed away. That don't make no sense to me. Why you'd get upset with me. I should be the guy that's upset with you, but I'm not. Yeah. I think I'm on your side, man. I, I don't want you. To live in doubt. And listen, listen, the Lord don't want you to live in doubt neither. 
If you don't know, God wants you to know because that's what the gospel does. You know what the gospel is? It's power to be assured about some things. Listen, when you go home today, pull out your little digital concordance because I know everybody's got them. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about that concordance on your, on your phone. Just about everybody's got a phone this day and age. I, it's really a wild age that we live in. But pull that thing out. Use it for something other than watching YouTube videos. Pull it out and type in the two words. Uh, bring it down to just the New Testament and type in the two words, we know. We know. And see how many times it shows up in the New Testament. This gospel, this salvation... This salvation that we're involved with, it, it's, a, it's a salvation of power. You say, what's, what's the power have to do with? Assurance. Listen, when I, when I go to bed tonight, I'm not going to be going to bed wondering about what's going to happen to me when I die. Man, if, if something happens to me while I'm asleep, boy, I'm all, I might be a little upset with the Lord for my family's sake, really. Uh, but I'll probably get over it real fast. But I... I might be upset about that, but you know, I'm not going to be upset at all. I'm not going to be upset at all because I'm wondering what's going to happen to me when I die. I know where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. That's not because I'm a good guy. God knows it's not because I'm a good guy. God knows it's not because I'm a good preacher. God knows it's not because I'm a good pastor. It's because I have a good Savior. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. God gave me exceeding great and precious promises whereby we might be partakers of the divine nature. He said in 2 Peter chapter 1, that's the only way I'm going to heaven. And that gives me assurance. That's what this salvation is. It's a salvation that it deals in terms of power. Yes, sir. It's, it deals with terms in terms of power. So go back to John chapter 1. Let me see if I can make my way through here right quick. He says, John chapter 1. Verse 12, he says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to. Now that, that word to, it, whatever follows that word is a defining statement on what this salvation is for. I think you can understand that. I hope that's not too much of an English lesson for you. But whatever follows the word to, it tells you to what end you're saved. Look at what he says. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's to become something. It's to be something. Did you know that salvation is not first power to do something? Not first. Listen, if you get saved, God's going to give you the power to do some things. You say what? Live right. Live clean. Live pure. Live holy. God's going to give you the power to do that. That's what that divine nature stuff is all about in 2 Peter chapter 1. But before you ever get power to do, you've got power to be something. You say, what is it? The Son of God. That's real power. That is real power. Listen, you take the situation of a kid that has no mama and daddy. And they have to be adopted. They have to be adopted by a, a, a mom and daddy who they have no blood relationship to. You know what that takes? That takes power. Does it not? It takes power of government. You know what's interesting about that power? That, that's a power outside of that child's reach. That child has very little to do with whether or not he becomes an adopted child of that mama and daddy. That's something that is vested in the powers of something over that child. It governs the laws of the land. It governs the way that things really are. That's real power. Well, listen, when you became a son of God, there was something way beyond you 
that made you a son of God. It wasn't something that you did. Ain't that right? Ain't that true? It, listen, what I'm preaching, listen to me, listen to me, wake up, wake up. Listen, what I'm preaching to you this morning is about something that can really give you some assurance. It's something that can put some joy in your soul, something that, the, that can give you some peace. Listen, so long as you're sitting around saying, I don't feel like I'm saved, you're never going to have any peace. Because quite frankly, I didn't feel like coming to church this morning. I was dead dog tired. I feel pretty good now. It's amazing what hollering at people will make, make do for you. Uh, but I'm not, not being mean. I, I, I'm actually happy this morning. Praise God. That's what a week of preaching will do for you. Make you happy. Uh, but ain't that true? Yes, sir. That's, that's true. It's, it's a power. It's something that will give you some assurance so long as you're sitting around saying, well, I don't feel like I'm saved. Yeah, but you are if you trusted Christ. You are. Listen, what you're talking about. Listen. Uh, this boy's got a mama and daddy. This boy's got a mama and daddy. But let's say he didn't have a mama and daddy and he had to be adopted. Huh? He had to be adopted. So I take this boy. Come on. I know you ain't got no. You don't have to put your shoes on. Take them shoes off. Unless they stink. Do your feet stink? <laughs> they probably do. But anyways, uh, I'm going to take this boy into my house. I'm going to take this boy into my house. And you know, this fella could sit down on the side of the street. He could sit down in a, on, in a bench somewhere on my house, in my house and say, oh, I don't feel like I'm part of this family. Yeah, but the laws of the land say you are. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's not, it, it don't matter what this boy feels like. I'm just using it as an example. It don't matter. It don't matter what he feels like. What matters is what, what the law says. Thank you, buddy. You can have a seat. That's what I'm talking about with your salvation. What you're dealing with is real power. What you're dealing with is real power. You're dealing with power that has the ability to make you a son of God when you are so unlike God. There is nothing in you that resembles God. I'm talking about as far as morality, as far as holiness, as far as righteousness. There's nothing about you that resembles God. And what we're talking about this morning is a power that has the ability to make you the sons of God. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Yes, sir, son of God. Listen, I, I've, I've tried to deal with this thing before about, you know, my children. That's my, my kindred, my kind. Those are people that are like me. He said in Genesis chapter 1, I feel like I got something hanging out of my nose. I'm a little bit self-conscious. Y'all forgive me. Uh, if, if I got something hanging out of my nose, one of y'all just go like this. <laughs> Look, okay. Uh, but anyways, uh, listen, I talk about my kids wherever they are. They're scattered to the four winds this morning. About to, this is my kindred. Uh, I think this is the boy that probably resembles me the, the most. These Sutherland genes are so strong. Boy, my other two kids, boy, they don't look like Ivories. They look like Sutherlands. But those are mine. Those are my, that's my kindred. They're after my kind. Genesis chapter 1, let the earth bring forth after its own kind. Well, when you talk about sons, these are my sons. This is my daughter. For all intents and purposes, these are my sons. They're my people. They're like me. They have things going on in their bloodstream that it resembles me. Well, when you're talking about being the sons of God, man, do you realize what that's saying? There's nothing about me and you, Brother Michael, that anything resembles God. Nothing. Me and you, nothing that resembles God. Nothing. God made the world and everything that therein is. What worlds have you made? Any? You? How about you? Me neither. You ever died for somebody to save their soul? 
You ever died for somebody to save their soul? What about you? Me neither. You see what I'm saying? There's no, you ever cared about any? You ever cared about anybody enough to die for them to save their soul? I'm not going to ask you directly because I know my own answer would be no. God does. God has. For you to become a son of God, do you realize what a, what a work really has to take place? That's an enormous statement. Listen, when Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross, the people that nailed him to the cross, the people that spit in his face, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Hmm? If that was me and you, brother, I'd be hanging on the cross saying, you just wait 2,000 years. I'm coming back to take care of you. Huh? Just give me some time. I'll be back, sucker. I'm going to knock a knot on your head. That's not what Jesus Christ said. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is, that is the Son of God. You say, man, there's no way. There's no way I could ever take that attitude. You know what Stephen said while they was stoning his brains out? Father, lay not this sin to their charge. That's almost the same thing that Jesus Christ said at Calvary. You say, what is that? That's evidence that that boy had been made a son of God. Something had taken place on the inside in his heart, and his whole heart had been changed. Very hard. It's very hard for, for somebody to hold a gun to your head and chambers loaded, hammers cocked back. You're getting ready to meet God, and it's very hard for you to look at them people and say, God, forgive these people. They don't even know what they're doing. Very difficult to say that. Very difficult to say that. I'm not talking about because somebody's breaking into your house. I'm talking about because of your righteousness, because of your holiness. That's why they crucified Christ. That's why they got rid of all the prophets in the Old Testament. That's why they stoned Stephen. It was because of the righteous witness that they were. Get rid of these guys. Lord, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. God, lay not this sin to their charge. You say, what is that? That's power. That's real power. That's power that got down deep into somebody's soul and changed who they were. It made them God's kind of people. It made them God's kind of people. Brother Nathan, these people around the church, boy, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, I know, but they're God's kind. Hip hypocrisy notwithstanding. Hypocrisy not justified, but they're God's kind. You say, who are these people? There as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Listen, you and I can have a lot of things that we may not see eye to eye on as far as personal taste, but I guarantee you one place where we can fellowship around is the fact that we're saved. It's the fact that God washed our sins away with the precious blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. You say, what you talking about? What salvation is all about what salvation is all about. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You know who this is aimed at? You know who it's aimed at? As many as received him. This is not something that has to be begged for. You don't have to barter God for it. You don't have to work for it or earn it. All you got to do is receive it. If I had $100 in my wallet and said, what? I want to give you this $100 and I held it out. All, all this guy would have to do is just reach out and take it. That's all that's required. Oh, no, I'll come cut your grass. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm giving it to you. All you got to do is just receive it. 
as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And listen, when he says as many as received, it's received him. It's received the Son of God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, he said, uh, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Jesus Christ said, John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Let me ask you one question this morning. You got power? So, well, that depends on what kind of power you're talking about. I'm talking about the power that ultimately is the only thing that's going to matter into eternity. Oh, Brother Nathan, I know the mayor of Folkestone, Georgia. Well, that might not be something to brag about. I don't know. I know the governor of Georgia. Well, that's definitely something you ought not to brag about. Uh, but some of y'all mad at me because I said that. You'll be all right. Don't worry about it. I'm not too fond of politicians. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't care much for them. I like Jesus, though. Does that count? That, yes, sir. That's the only politician I really care much for voting for. Uh, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Do you have power? Ultimately, the power that matters is the one that's going to carry you into eternity. Yes, sir. Well, I got power to make a living. I got power to make my wife happy or make my husband happy or make my parents happy. What about the power to be the sons of God? Do you have that power? If you don't have it, I'll tell you how you can get it. You got to receive him. Receive him. You say, how do I receive him? He said, as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. You got to believe. It's a matter of faith, not a matter of work. Works will come, but it's not a matter of works. Salvation, not a matter of works. It's a matter of belief. You say, what I believe? Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he did that for your sins. It's for your sins. He had no sins that he had to die for. So if the wages of sin is death, he died for your sins. You got that power? You can have it this morning. And listen, if you got that power, listen, if you got the power, would you stop and think about this this morning? Whether you come to an altar this morning or not, I'm going to give you an invitation. Whether you come to an altar or not, would you stop and think about something this morning? If you have the power to be the son of God because you received him, you believed, right? If you got the power to be the son of God, what power can that, what, what situation can that power not take care of? There's nothing. You heard a finest sermon preached just a minute ago by somebody that gave a, a, a testimony. They, he, Brother Curtis said, he said, there is no problem that we have that is not a spiritual problem. Truer words have not been spoken. Every problem. Do you realize every problem that you have this morning stems back to one thing, one simple fact. You're a sinner. You're going to die one day. Did you know that? I don't get any joy in telling you that. You're such a young guy. I don't get any joy in telling you, but that's going to happen. It's true for you. It's true for you. It's true for you. It's true for you. You're going to die one day. You know why you're going to die? Because you're a sinner. Every problem that you have from here right now, today, to the time you get to the grave, it's because you're a sinner. If God can take care of that problem, what problem do you have that... That power can't handle. There's not one. I just really think you guys make too much of this salvation thing. I don't think you make enough of it. You don't make it. I don't make enough of it. Woe is me. 
Things are not going well. But you know what the truth is? I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven, man. I've been born again. I've been washed in the blood. My sins are washed away. I got no reason to suck my thumb. Hardship going to come. Trials are going to come. Tribulation going to come. But I'm saved, man. I'm, I'm clean. I'm on my way to heaven. That's something to rejoice about. Lord, we thank you, God, for this morning. I pray you take these things. Work on us and help us this morning. God, truly, Lord, this power, this salvation, God, this is a power, Lord, that can meet any problem, Lord, that, that comes up in our life. God, if it can take care of the sin question, it can take care of anything else. Lord, I pray that you help us this morning. God, be with us. Help us during the invitation. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, God spoke to your heart this morning. Why don't you come and do business with the Lord as he leads? There's no problem that the Lord cannot handle. If he can take care of your sin problem, he can take care of everything else. Would you trust him this morning? If you're not saved this morning, why don't you let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know your sins are washed away. Why don't you do that this morning? Do business with the Lord as he leads.